Welcome to Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch your girl business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, and in this episode, we have Brittany Laughlin, who is the head of investor relations at Blockstack PBC. She spent six years investing in blockchain and network effect businesses through her own firm, Lattice Ventures, and on an investment team at Union Square Ventures. A serial entrepreneur, she's built three companies, including GTROT, which sold to Groupon. Her work focuses on the intersection of community and technology. As always, the show notes for this episode are at justgrind.com slash podcast, and you can support the show with a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. I did very much so appreciate that. Without further ado, here's Brittany Laughlin, Head of Investor Relations at Blockstack PBC. Brittany, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, happy to have you on and, and discuss a lot of different things actually uh, related to uh, Blockstack as well. And um, what is your current role with, with the company? Yeah, so I run investor relations at Blockstack. Um, so that's my official title, but I do a, a couple <laughs> of other things in addition to um, working with our investors. Awesome. And then with that, then a couple other things you mentioned, what are some of those additional things? Yeah, so uh, we've been thinking a lot about um, how our token, so Blockstack is a blockchain project and we have a token associated with our network. So we've been thinking about how we support the user experience of that token. Um, so that means you know partnerships with wallets, custody providers, exchanges, getting information in the hands of um, not only institutional investors, but also you know, retail investors who are purchasing the token or holding onto the token. Yeah. And with that too, I mean, how did you originally get involved with the company? So I actually met um, the founders of Blockstack back in 2014. I was working at Union Square Ventures. It's a Series A uh, based firm based in New York City. You know, it has investments such as like Twitter, Kickstarter, Lending Club. Um, a number of large companies uh, have been part of the USV portfolio. And during my time there, we actually met with Maneeb and Ryan, the founders of Blockstack, and uh, we decided to invest. So I actually got to know the team at a very early stage. It was just two people, I think, maybe three. And um, then I've kind of followed the project uh, for a number of years. I've participated in past token sales as an investor and uh, joined as investor relations earlier this year. So quite a long journey <laughs> to actually come <laughs> yes. on board. Yes, quite a long journey indeed. And you mentioned the token sale. I mean, wh- what, is, what does that process consist of exactly? Yeah, so, um, you know, I think most people are familiar with Bitcoin. That's probably the most uh, famous cryptocurrency. <laughs> yep. uh, but uh, <laughs> Blockstack is um, also a blockchain-based network. Um, we use a token as fuel inside of our network. So if you want to help build, you can get rewarded in the token. If you want to spend the token in order to gain resources or set up your own uh, code or register your own name, um, those are all pieces of the token. And so selling the token gives people access to the value of the network. So if you want to purchase a token to use it, or if you want to purchase a token to hold on to it because you think the network value will grow, um, that is a good use case for the token. So um, we did a token sale in 2017, and that was a sale. We raised um, just under $50 million um, in that token sale, and that was open only to institutional investors. So we had um, Union Square Ventures participated again. We had the uh, Winklevoss Capital team. They invested Lux Capital. A number of large uh, traditional venture capital firms invested in that round. Um, And then just recently, we did another token sale in 2019. 
2019, and that was a $23 million sale. And that one was actually open to everyone. Um, So we went through a very long process with the SEC to be able to (laughs) offer the token um, to retail investors in the U.S. Because if you can't give access to retail investors, um, you know, how do you expect people to actually be able to use the network if it's only limited to, you know, sophisticated institutional investors with millions of dollars? Um, So, yeah, so that was a big thing that uh, we got to kind of break ground on earlier this year. And and that was a big uh, part of the work I've been doing with the team is around the launch of the token sale in 2019. Awesome. And you said with the retail investors as well then. So how does that how does that change things in terms of finding getting to this point of getting them on board? How does that work exactly? Like how does that change the, the everything? Yeah. So um with retail investors, uh we went through what's called a reg A plus. Um so we got legal approval, uh well, we got regulatory re- approval from the SEC in the United States uh to say yes, this is okay to offer this to investors who aren't accredited. Um, So accredited usually has to do with a certain threshold of income. You either have to have a million dollars in assets or you have to make over 250,000 over the past two years. I think those are still the laws. Um, So that really (laughs) (laughs) really limits the people that can participate. So with this retail offering, um, it took many months, almost a full year to work with the SEC to be able to do the first qualified token offering in the United States. And so that kicked off in July of this year. So that meant that, um, you know, any retail investor who read through the prospectus, they learned all about the project and wanted to participate, could purchase tokens. Now, those individuals um, have the same access as large funds. So Union Square Ventures and Lux Capital put in more uh, money to buy more tokens this year. And yeah. a retail investor got the exact same deal as these very large investors. So I think that that um, is just part of our ideals to democratize access to these token networks. Um, but now people can actually hold the token, they can use the token to register names. Um, so it kind of acts, as I mentioned, like fuel for the network. So if you have tokens, you can participate in new and interesting ways that you can't if you don't have the token. Yeah, and can you talk to uh, just a few of those ways that they can participate? Yeah, so one of the most common is uh, what's called a Blockstack ID. So Blockstack ID is, you know, it's kind of like a Twitter handle. So if you wanted to get a specific name, you could register using uh, the Stacks blockchain. And that means that only you can own that name. Um, so I have Brittany.id, and um, once I registered that, I can use it across the 270-plus apps that have already been built on top of Blockstack. And what's great and kind of different is, unlike Twitter, where if I you know, lose my password, I just reset it with Twitter, Twitter could always take the name away from me if they think that you know someone else deserves the account more than I do, uh, yep. but with a blockchain... I actually own it. So it is my property and I get to decide how it gets used um, under that ownership. So if I wanted to sell it later or if I wanted to use it across lots of different places, I have the authority to do that. So that's kind of uh, one of the ways that's most popular that people are using uh, stacks right now. 
Awesome. And and what I mean, that's one of the most popular ways, but I am I am curious as to some other ways that people are using the platform. And then there's just this whole thing. It's, it's definitely a space that's new for for a lot of people. Uh, and I'm curious how people are, are really using Blockstack and what are maybe one or two of the other kind of ways they are using it. Yeah. So um, the important thing to note, I guess, is like Blockstack has a token, which I just mentioned you can use, but it also has a set of developer tools. So you don't actually... Um, need to use the token and the developer tools at the same time. So if you have the token, other ways you can use it is we are launching our smart contracts. Uh, that's early next year. Um, probably Ethereum is a project that's done a very good job of pop, you know, making the idea very popular about smart contracts. So those are basically contracts written in code. So right now we have legal agreements and we sign paper, we kind of decide on something, we use the legal system to arbitrate whether, you know, this is indeed a good contract or what the contract states. But a smart contract is actually written in code. So if I agree to pay you $100 uh, at the end of the show, and we put that into code, then that will automatically execute at the end of the show. Instead of having to, you know, uh, write it down, have all the paperwork done. So that's kind of a simple overview of smart contracts. I definitely would encourage uh, people interested to check out more. Um, but that's yeah. another way that you can use Stacks tokens is you actually use tokens to lock in that contract into the blockchain. And so it validates that the contract will get executed by miners and the transaction will happen. That that $100 will go from uh, you know my wallet into your wallet. Yeah, yeah, and with and with blockchain itself, like I mean, the, obviously technology is is not understood by everybody, but it's it's, it's something that's very um, well. Obviously, every people, people are investing in it. People are curious about it, the different applications of it. What are maybe some of those other um, applications that you see coming up in the next few years that are going to be like definitely taken over by blockchain? Yeah, so this is, um, I was actually just at a conference last week in San Francisco, and this is the killer question. <laughs> Everyone wants to know. <laughs> what are people using blockchains for today, and what will we all be using them for in the future? So, um, you know, I think today there's some use cases in a you know, supply chain. We're seeing large enterprises getting involved in the space and seeing value and being able to record specific information that crosses multiple people's hands and having one source of truth. So this is something people refer to as like, you know, your digital ledger, um, an indisputable ledger because it's owned by a lot of people. And so one person couldn't tamper with it and kind of hide or obscure data. Yeah. So I think those are things that we see today. But what I get really excited about is actually like what is possible with a token network that didn't exist before. Um, kind of in the way that like when smartphones got adopted, the company Uber really took off because it took advantage of your geolocation in your app. It took advantage of, you know, mobility and being able to kind of match riders and drivers in a very easy, seamless way through a mobile app. Um, that didn't exist when it was just the desktop. There was no way, you know, you'd kind of hail a car and be able to do that. So it's kind of like presenting all of the new infrastructure and then seeing how people build it. So, you know, one of the craziest ideas that we heard at USV early on was from one of the founders of Coinbase. So we are investors in Coinbase and they said, 
you know, imagine a world where everyone has a self-driving car and you're running late and you want to pass all of the cars ahead of you in order to get there on time. What if your car could actually negotiate a contract with other cars around you in order to have them move off the road so that you can pass them? <laughs> so, you know, use, <laughs> using smart contracts, you would be able to negotiate in real time. The contracts would be in code. So once you did actually pass that car, um, you would be able to pay them their payment. Maybe every car has a different payment they wanted to accept, but something like a token network, you could actually do that fairly easily without having to worry about sort of um, cash payments and withdrawals and your car making a payment on behalf of you. So it's kind of a, a far out use case, but I don't think it's actually that far away. <laughs> um, some other things that I think are maybe interesting are around digital scarcity. So right now, if a popular artist, let's say Beyonce, if she drops an album, it can be copied in a matter of seconds and people can yeah. distribute it and kind of get access to a pirated version and she use, loses a lot of the value that could be captured. Now in the physical world, if she had you know a specific record, people would want that physical object and maybe willing to pay a lot because it's actually very scarce. So thinking about digital scarcity, you could actually use a blockchain to permission who has access to a piece of digital content. And since that cryptographic key is only owned by one person and can't be replicated or can't be copied, that could give true scarcity to that resource. So maybe Beyonce drops a hundred you know, blockchain-based albums and the people that want to buy them and listen to them first are willing to pay a lot of money because they know they can be the only ones who truly own and get to use that asset. So yeah. that's, you know, another way to just think about what is possible that is kind of hard to execute right now in today's technology. Yeah. And then how does that play out with there being different companies, obviously offering tokens and doing these different things? Like, how does that play out? Is just like any other you know technology where we have multiple companies in any industry or does there need to be more consolidated? I'm just curious on how you view that. Yeah, so um, <laughs> there's there's actually a saying that like you know what's the right number of uh, currencies in the world, and it's between one and one for every person. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, th I think crypto is kind of the same. Is that I think that these different token networks represent different value systems, different um, consensus mechanisms. They have different features. Whether it's uh, focused more on security more on speed, um, that kind of varies uh, network to network. And so it's maybe kind of the way that you can think about payments today is if I need to pay a friend back for dinner, maybe I use cash, which is very immediate, it's very tangible, um, but it's not very secure. Or I could use something like PayPal or Venmo, or maybe I send them a credit card wire. There's lots of different ways that I can do the same activity, but I usually choose one based on the context. So sending a friend back, uh, you know, 20 bucks on Venmo is a lot easier than sending a friend, you know, a very large payment on Venmo because they don't allow <laughs> yeah. that. So instead, maybe I'd move over to a banking transaction or if I need to send something overseas versus locally, I would just choose a different processor. So I think with crypto networks, we'll probably see, uh, Especially, you know, I, I use payment as, as an example, but that's not the only 
way that you can use these uh, cryptographic tokens. But I think there's a lot of, um, like probably a handful of applications and networks that people will use on a regular basis. And then yeah. they'll have lots of special use cases. And so that will probably help um, with that longer tail of different assets that are out there. Yeah. And, and one thing I'm always wondering about too, so any, uh, you know, aspiring entrepreneurs, people who want to obviously build things or interested in this whole kind of, uh, you know, blockchain technology, and maybe want to use it or learn even learn more about it to see how they can use it in a business sense. I mean, what would you tell people, you know, aspiring entrepreneurs who want to get involved at different areas to start with, or even resources to start learning how to develop with this? I mean, anything at all for the aspiring person who wants to create something using blockchain? Yeah, well, that's a great question because um, that's actually one of our resources that we provide at Blockstack. So Blockstack is built for developers to easily build on top of blockchains. So with the Blockstack technology, if you're a developer and you know JavaScript, in as little as an hour, you can learn how to build an application on Blockstack. So we have this program called Zero to Dapp, and that helps you build um, a a application, so a decentralized <laughs> app. And um, we've seen some really interesting apps get built already. So if you go to app.co slash Blockstack, you can see that we have over 270 um, applications that are built using Blockstack tools to date. And these are anything from a uh, decentralized storage for your photos to a competitor to Google Docs, um, we also have a decentralized maps application. There's a lot of different resources that people are building because people just want to use the benefits of the blockchain instead. Um, but if you are an entrepreneur, what's really great about this is those apps listed on app.co actually are all participating in something we called app mining. So app mining is actually an incentive program where if you build an application, that is bringing value to the Blockstack network and the Blockstack users, you can actually get rewarded with compensation every single month. So the top applications, um, they get ranked and all of the apps that are participating get paid out based on their ranking. And I think currently right now we have over 200,000 US dollars worth of incentives going out to apps built on the platform. So every single month, there's like a new ranking and um, apps get paid out. So that means that companies have been able to bootstrap without raising any capital and instead just using the app mining program because they're building really great apps. And then each month, they're not only getting incentive, but they also are getting feedback from a number of reviewers. And those reviewers help them decide like, you know, maybe you should make this improvement to your UI or here's a way that you can better promote your application to more users. So you're kind of getting real-time feedback as well as uh, you know, capital to be able to reinvest in building your business. Yeah, and, and with this too, I mean, you mentioned the kind of the, the training to help them use it in an, in an hour, essentially developers can start using Blockstack. I mean, wh what are some of those things you're, you're going through with them, you're teaching them, uh, tools you offer, resources you offer for these people? Yeah, so that tutorial, it goes through all of the documentation. And as I mentioned, if you're a developer that knows how to write in JavaScript, that's all you need to get started. 
So okay. we did the heavy lifting of how do you kind of, you know, build libraries so that you obscure a lot of the complexity of the blockchain, but you're still able to get the benefits. So that's what the Blockstack network is all about, is building these different tools on top. And so um, in that tutorial, you know, you can ask any questions if you get confused on any, any of the documentation. Um, you also at the end, you'll build like a very simple application as part of the tutorial. And that's called Animal Kingdom. So it'll just <laughs> walk you through and make it super easy. But in addition to that, we also um, have a number of our team members and evangelists who attend hackathons. You know, they're just trying to get the word out about Blockstack and how easy it can be for developers to build on top. Yeah, that was actually one of my next questions is how are you kind of growing this and getting the word out and, you know, getting more people on board with Blockstack? Yeah, so we've had a lot of growth. So I think at the beginning of the year, we had only 17 apps built on top. So now we have, like I said, you know, we're nearing the 300 mark. So it's been yeah, it's a lot more. <laughs> it's yeah. We, at first we were so excited when we got to like 40 apps and then we're like, Oh my God, we're going to make a hundred. And then we're like, wow, we have 200. So now we're almost 300. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think, uh, you know, our team's done a good job of just trying to get the word out and uh, make sure that there's a lot of value that if you choose to come to the Blockstack network and, and learn, um, there's a lot of, ways that you can really grow a real business, you can grow your community base. And if you need any help, we also have like Slack channels, we have um, Discord, we have different ways in which you can engage with other developers so that you never get stuck. <laughs> so yes. um, yeah, it's a really great platform for people who join. Um, but for growing the overall network, which I think now has I think we have over 9,000 developers who've been part of our community. Wow. Um, we do meetups around the world. We have evangelists on basically every continent. I don't think any Antarctica yet, but the <laughs> other six. Uh, we have groups that are helping host um, meetups. Um, They're featuring different DAP developers who've built apps on Blockstack. And uh, we've been part of a number of, you know, both tech and blockchain related conferences this year. So yeah, I was in uh, Shanghai earlier this year for a large conference. I've been in London. I've been able to meet many of our community members in San Francisco. It's been um, really good. And it's just truly a global community that we're building. Yeah. And yeah, the global community, that's, that's not easy by any means. And I'm yeah. sure everyone's hustling to make that happen. Yeah. <laughs> And, and with it too, I mean, what are the biggest challenges kind of in, in your specific role at the company? Yeah, I think uh, it's such a new field that, you know, blockchains are relatively new and kind of building a startup while building a public company that has a token that's trading at the same time is a very new paradigm. So <laughs> I'm like when you, you know, you grow a startup, you have private investors and um, all of the information about what's happening in your company is not public, but we're operating very differently. Everything is very public. We try and share real-time updates and news with people. Uh, we publicly file with the SEC whenever any new partnerships happen, or um, we have new engagements with different vendors. So it's living in a very public company, um, even though our team is only about 30 people. So we're a very small team, um, small yeah. but mighty team. <laughs> <laughs> so 
I think just trying to figure out how to balance that um, with so many different uh, people who are invested in the success of the project, everything from investors to employees to developers to um, community, community people, they all want the project to be successful. And so it's figuring out how we can best leverage the community um, to help solve all these various needs. Yeah, there's, there's many many needs as as any startup has, right? Like any startup's going to have tremendous challenges and needs, and they're trying to make the most they can out of the people they have at at the moment. And what I'm wondering too with with the company, I mean, what is kind of the the next step for block for Blockstack? Yeah, so the thing that we're targeting next year is around end users. So right now, I think we have around 150. Well, a few months ago, we had 150,000 end users of Blockstack apps. Now, we see that there's so much potential for growing that user base. It's just getting the word out about these decentralized apps. Like these are apps that you can use today. They're really beneficial. If you care about, you know, your privacy or just keeping better control of your data, those applications are built on Blockstack that can help you do exactly that. So I think, um, you know, we'd love for more people to just come and check them out. So a big milestone for us is to be able to grow to a million end users of Blockstack applications. So that comes from a few, a few different channels. One, it is getting Stacks tokens in the hands of more people that helps um, incentivize people to try out the apps and be able to spend um, stacks tokens or register their names. Um, we also think that giving developers more tools means that better apps will get built on the platform and better apps attract more users. So that will also help do that. Um, yeah. And then the third is, you know, just being like a regular startup and trying to think about more ways that we can get our message in front of more people. So, um, you know, whether it's through partnerships or marketing or campaigns, we've been running a number of tests to try and figure out, you know, how can we really reach the community and how do we empower, you know, other people to spread the word about Blockstack as well. Yeah. And, and with Blockstack, the success you've already had, I mean, you've made a, a ton of progress already and have had a fair amount of success. I mean, what do you think is attributed, like what has contributed to that success up to this point? Yeah, well, in some ways, it's like the company is old because it's been around since 2013. Uh, so yeah. it's like a six-year-old startup. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, blockchain, the whole industry is still so new and it's still so yeah. young that it feels like we're we're day one every day. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think today the team has done a really good job of, um, you know, just having clear milestones of what they want to accomplish even though the project has raised a lot of capital, one of the things that was put into place early on was milestone-based unlocking of, of capital. So, you know, in 2017, when there's a $50 million sale, it wasn't just like, great, we have $50 million, let's go spend it. <laughs> Instead, <laughs> it was like, okay, some of the money unlocks now, some of it will unlock once we launch a live blockchain, which we did in 2018. And then some of it will unlock when we reach that million user mark. So I think just being very conservative about um, cash and runway, thinking about the future and planning for it has been something that's helped 
you know, the project be able to make as much progress as it has. Um, and then I think it's about hiring really passionate people and trying to work, um, even if people aren't employees, just trying to work with people who are very passionate about the space and really get excited about solving these challenges. Um, we actually have this campaign called Can't Be Evil. Uh, we actually like had big billboards <laughs> in San Francisco. So if you okay. have any listeners from the Bay Area, maybe they've seen one of our billboards. But yeah. it's, you know, kind of a direct line against the Google era where it's, yes. you know, we're living in this space where all of our data is um, sold without our permission. You know, accounts get hacked and we have no control over who has access to our data anymore. And I think people are just getting tired of, of that. Like that's kind of the ugly underbelly of the internet. And so instead of Google's tagline of, you know, don't be evil, it's can't be evil because using the blockchain and the block stack infrastructure, the user owns their own data. So you're not even able to sort of hack their data or sell their data without their permission. So I think that that's um, just a fundamental shift. And there's so many people across the globe where that message really resonates and they're really excited about contributing to our ecosystem because of it. Yeah. And outside of the US, I mean, where are some of those areas that you're kind of seeing that the most in terms of people actually being excited about what you guys are doing? Yeah, well, we've definitely seen, uh, you know, in in countries that have, uh, you know, different levels of certainty around the internet access and, and government, those have been helpful, <laughs> have um, shown a lot of interest. Um, yes. Also, just anywhere that there's large developer communities. So we've seen um, growing interest in places like China. Uh, they have incredibly talented developers who are excited about new technology and figuring out new business models that go along with it. So we've seen um, growth there in Korea. Um, we have a very active community in India, Turkey, Egypt, uh, South America, Europe, the U.S. So it's really global. And um, it's kind of cool because you can actually get on one of our community evangelist calls and you can actually talk to people from all over the world. Like even, oh, wow. you know, we have um, evangelists in Africa. And so you're talking to people in all these different time zones. <laughs> We're just talking <laughs> about why people are excited and what people are building. So um, yeah. And every story is like a little unique of why it's so fascinating to the different people. Yeah. I mean, it is in, in general fascinating, especially because it is so, so new, as you mentioned. And that's something that anytime you have a new technology, I mean, people are curious about uh, the applications of it, what people are doing with it, uh, what people are building on top of it. And it, it will be very interesting to see how this evolves and how this, how this goes in years to come. And, and one thing I'm always wondering about too, is like, how do you like stay up to date, learn more about the industry? Like what, what are you doing to kind of stay abreast of the industry? Yeah. Um, I feel like I, you know, I'm learning something new every day. So <laughs> I'm like, am I up to date? I don't know. <laughs> I keep More trying. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's, um, you know, following different channels. I think podcasts are a great way to do that. So, um, there's a number of great, uh, podcasts that talk to, you know, entrepreneurs, um, like yours and um, yes. also ones specific like, uh, blockchain. So, uh, there's a great podcast called Unchained. They go through a lot of the topics that are facing 
um, you know, crypto projects or crypto regulation uh, in real time. So those have been helpful. Um, and then crypto Twitter. I don't know if you know of this. It's like basically this sub community of Twitter. So, <laughs> a, you know, a number of people who participate in these conversations around crypto and blockchain. Um, so I follow a number of people in that space. So every time I open up Twitter, I feel like I'm learning something new about the space that I, I didn't know before. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. There's so many ways to learn. <laughs> so many ways. And and with you too, in your role, I mean, what does your kind of day-to-day look like? Yeah. So it's it's a little different every, <laughs> every day, I think. Um, so for example, um, this week we're thinking about, uh, you know, next year's planning. And so it's thinking very high level. And then sometimes it's more specific of a specific investor need or specific investor question where they're searching for, uh, you know, more information about the project, or maybe they want to find other applications that they should be investing in. So it can go very high level and then it can also be very specific to different things. But I think in general, the goal that I have for this role is to be able to think about, you know, the internal um, planning and stories uh, from Blockstack. And then how do we get those in the hands of the public and how do we make sure that people feel like they're up to date and they're getting the newest insights about what's going on. Um, that way, if there's any questions or there's other ideas or new partnerships, we have a very clear way in which we can um, make sure those happen within our company based on our planning. So it's it's an external facing role, but it's also very important to be on top of like what's happening internally with the product. Yeah. And I mean, how is that currently communicated, like distributed to, to people so they can stay up to date? Yeah. So we, um, we have a quarterly uh, community update. And so that's basically, we go through everything that we did in the quarter. We kind of lay out all of our objectives and how we met them or what changed or what happened. Uh, we've also been starting to do CEO quarterly calls So we do an open community call for um, anyone in our community can join and they can ask questions of the CEO, um, Maneev Ali. And so we just hosted one of those uh, two weeks ago and we just posted it today. Um, So it's like a live video uh, just to really open things up. Um, And then we just use, you know, a lot of the traditional social channels. So if folks want to join our Telegram group, it's a very active community where you can, you know, ask questions, you can learn more. Um, we constantly add updates or news linking back to other places. Um, and then we have things like Slack, which is more for our developers. So people who are building on Blockstack, if they have specific questions or need support, um, Slack is a great resource for them. And then, awesome. of course, Twitter and <laughs> blogs. And <laughs> yeah, of our team course. does pretty well on content. I think we're usually putting out um, content daily, if, if not uh, more frequently. Yeah. And one thing too, with, with people looking to potentially use, you know, some of these Blockstack apps, I mean, where would you even suggest they, they start with? If they're curious about it and they're looking at Blockstack and they see these apps, they go, you know, they go to app.co slash Blockstack, they're looking at all these different things. I mean, where would you suggest they even, they even start? Yeah, that's a great question. So I always like to send people to app.co slash Blockstack. 
So it kind of looks like an app store. So there's, you know, all of the apps built on Blockstack and they're ranked based on their last month's app mining rank. So you can't go wrong by just starting with the top two or three applications and trying them out. It takes, you know, uh, less than a minute. You can sign up, you register your ID, and then you can use that ID on any of those apps. So it's very quick to be able to sign in and check it out. And if you don't want to use the app anymore, you can switch to another one. You don't have to worry about getting deleted or moving your data because the data actually is owned by you. So I would encourage everyone uh, listening to to check that out. Um, and, uh, you know, there's all sorts of different apps, but one of the ones that often has been ranking very high is actually called D-Mail. Uh, so it's D-M-A-I-L. And yep. it's an alternative to email. So if you use D-Mail and you check it out, you can send me a message at Brittany.id. Um, so instead of using an email, I'm happy to take questions there or to <laughs> share more. Um, and it's a direct link to just uh, send notes. So definitely try it out and send me a note there. Perfect. And is there, I have to ask, is there any other personal favorites you have that you use? Um, Seagull is a application that you can do a decentralized blog. And so my goal is to uh, work and write a decentralized blog about decentralized application. <laughs> so super, make super like a meta. very meta. So yeah, that's <laughs> my goal for meta. 2020. <laughs> yeah, it's a very that's beautifully awesome. designed um, application as well. So I, I, I think it's pretty cool. And so for building communities, I'm curious about how you've kind of gone about that with in-person versus online at Blockstack and how that worked around the world so far. Yeah. So I think offline is a really important channel for us as well. So we have evangelists, um, you know, we're always looking for new evangelists who want to help uh, share more about Blockstack and host meetups or attend the meetups. So um, from those offline events, I think the important part is figuring out if people are excited about Blockstack and they want to get more engaged, creating ways in which they can come into an online community where they can more regularly kind of check in or be involved. So yeah. sometimes it's figuring out like, you know, what is their next baby step to get involved in the community? Is it, <laughs> you know, uh, going through a developer tutorial? Is it joining a Telegram group and having a conversation Or are there other ways in which they can kind of um, learn a little bit more? And then once they complete that step, go in a step deeper beyond that. So it's like maybe you take the tutorial and then maybe you decide to build a DAP. And what does that look like? And where do you find other people who are doing that as well? So I think those different modes uh, where the community wants to go is important. Um, But also it's about making sure those communities are fun places to be (laughs) and like safe, (laughs) um, you know, places because community at the end of the day is about people connecting with other people. So even though Blockstack may be the reason why they're there, um, I think they want to have conversations with people who care about the same things or have similar values or um, have similar questions. So we found that, you know, our Slack community is a lot of developers and they're constantly asking questions about how can I use this tool better or what are different ways I can grow my business or, you know, 
Um, what are new interesting ideas I should consider in my application? So those types of conversations are happening in our community, but they're not necessarily just about Blockstack. So I think just, you know, reflecting the different interests of people <laughs> and why they're there is um, always a good part of community building. Yeah. And I think like you mentioned before, getting that, getting that feedback too, from what people want and how you can kind of facilitate that uh, seems to be such an important piece of, of the puzzle as well. And Brittany, where can people go to learn more about Blockstack and also get in touch? Yes. So uh, Blockstack.com or Blockstack.org. Uh, you can learn more about the project. Um, as I said, app.co slash Blockstack. That's a great resource. Definitely try out Adapt. <laughs> That's the one homework <laughs> for everyone. Yes. It should take them, you know, like less than two minutes. Um, check it out. These entrepreneurs work very hard on these companies. And I think you may find that you find a product or service that you love. So please check those out. Um, and then feel free to get in touch. You know, I'm on Twitter uh, or by email. Um, as I said, or Dmail, uh, Brittany.id, <laughs> or I'm yes. Brittany at Blockstack. So those are the places that you can find me if you want to continue the conversation um, or join our telegram group. And that's uh, the Blockstack telegram group. Um, you can find it on our website at the bottom, a quick link to that. Uh, that's a great place to jump in and kind of learn more about what we're doing over at Blockstack. Awesome. And I'll be sure to link those all up in the show notes as well. Just go grind.com slash podcast. Brittany, thank you so much for taking the time to come on today. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. I really appreciate it. If you haven't already, check out The Grind, which is a community where entrepreneurs, creators, and other go-getters can connect digitally and in person to build their businesses, get ideas and inspiration, make an impact, and support others pursuing their dream. The goal of this community where I created is, is really simple. It's to use our collective experiences, skills, connections, and unrelenting ambition to make a bigger impact on the world. And during my time at USC, Growing this podcast, attending conferences, I've met so many incredible people and wanted to have a way to connect them, a place where they could reach out to each other, get support, but also then just leverage the skills we have to do more. And this community is exactly that. Learn more at justgrind.com slash the dash grind. You can also find it from the homepage, justgrind.com. Check it out. Thank you.